I can do this. I can do this. Jump in. Come on, Keith. You can do it. Woo, that's cold. Oh, good gracious, you're a lifeguard. Stand up! Oh, <laughs> it's jello. <laughs> to save you, right? I mean, he looks pretty competent. <laughs> you are really a lifeguard, aren't you? Are you? Yeah, yeah. How many people have been a lifeguard in your life? You've been trained? Yeah, I have too. Yeah. Well, what is a lifeguard? A lifeguard is a person that has an expert swimmer that's been hired to watch and warn of dangers and uh, warn that there could be accidents and actually save you from drowning or death, right? That's what a lifeguard is physically. Well, this series is going to look at what lifeguards are spiritually because we need some lifeguards in our life so that we can be protected in times of trouble. That doesn't mean that Bad things won't happen in our life. It just means that we've got a guard 24-7 in our life that we can call on at any time. And here's our key verse for this series. Now, this is one that I would encourage you to memorize because it's, I mean, I do it with a little rhythm. Guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. See? Guard, do that with me. Guard your heart. See, you hide the word in your heart and you can pull that up at any time. So I would encourage you during this series to memorize that, put it in your heart so that you have it at all times. Now, what does this verse say that we're supposed to guard? Yes, and why? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty important, isn't it? Think about that. That's big. Guard your heart because your heart determines where your life will go. That means that we have choices in where we want our life to go. You know, a lot of us end up in a place and we say, how did I get here? How did this happen? Well, a lot of what has happened is because of our own actions. And so we need to be very mindful. And we need to take some time like you're doing this morning, like we're doing in the series, and pay attention to some lifeguards that we need to put in our life. It, the heart is so important that Jesus decided that he would build his kingdom in the hearts of people. You know, we don't stop and think about our heart. We're pretty thankful for it, aren't we? But Jesus decided that he would build his kingdom in the hearts of people. That means it's really important. Both the physical and the spiritual heart are precious. They're precious. Do you value your physical heart? Do you value 
your spiritual heart. It's not our skills. It's not our education. It's not our experience. It's not our intelligence that really, really matters. It's our heart. If our heart isn't in good shape physically or spiritually, we'll die. And we can be really smart, and if our heart isn't working physically, we can be dead. We can be dead and smart. We can be dead. That's not real smart. (laughs) You get my point? Our heart is at the very center of our being. Now, there are some strong parallels between our physical heart and our, and our spiritual heart. We're going to look at that this morning. First of all, both of them give life. Both of them are at the very center, the very core of life. Now, our physical heart will last probably at the max. I think I heard of someone that lived 125 years. Did you hear that about that woman? Of course it was a woman. We are women. We live strong. <laughs> 125 years at the max. For most of us, it'll be somewhere around 90 80, something like that. But that's a physical heart. It'll last that long, but it gives life. When the heart stops, we're dead. The spiritual heart, think about this. Your spiritual heart lives on into eternity, forever and ever and ever. But we know a whole lot more in our culture about our physical heart, don't we, than spending the time that we need to on our spiritual heart. You see, if either one is neglected, if either one is unhealthy, our physical heart or our spiritual heart, it affects every person around me. You see, if I'm a healthy person, it will produce a healthy family, which will produce a healthy church, which will produce a healthy community. Have you ever taken a, see these concentric circles, have you ever taken a stone and dropped it down into water? And you see that ripple effect? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're all connected. We may think that the choices that we make just only affect me, but they don't. We are all connected, just like this. If I'm healthy, then I can produce a healthy family, and our family can produce a healthy church, and our church can produce a healthy community. Because as we are, that's the way things will go, where everybody is connected. Even our breathing is connected. Julius Caesar, you probably have heard of him. He's an example of somebody who did not guard his life. Now, he was warned about the Ides of March, and they told him not to go out, but he didn't heed the warning, and he went out, and he was stabbed to death on the courtyard by the senators. Not a good day for Julius Caesar. And uh, he didn't put those, those uh, guards in place. But chemistry students will tell you this. They will know that Caesar's dying breath, it's said that his last exhale, when he was stabbed to death, and when he breathed out, oh, you know, that last breath that was breathed out, it's said that it released an enormous number of molecules. <laughs> Now, chemistry scientists will tell you it was 10 to the 23rd power. Now, what that means is 10 and then 22 zeros. That's a lot of molecules. 
And it said that those molecules were released out into the atmosphere. And the nitrogen and the carbon dioxide was absorbed. Scientists will tell you this. It was absorbed, absorbed by plants. It was absorbed by animals. It was absorbed by water. But a large portion float free in our atmosphere his last breath, and they've spread around the globe and they've lived on in a predictable pattern. And that means that if you take a deep breath right now, everybody take a deep breath, you have breathed in at least one of Julius Caesar's molecules. How's that make you feel? <laughs> Which also means that we are connected to Shakespeare and Cleopatra and your great, 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 great grandmother. We are all connected. When we breathe out, somebody else breathes that in. And those molecules, we cannot make decisions in our life or do something in our life that it doesn't impact and affect not only us and our family, our church and our community, but all of history. Have you ever thought of yourself as significant as that? Your body, your physical body as well as your spiritual body? Caesar's last, last breath, that literally means that you are inhaling and exhaling the same of the great, great, greats and also some of the despicable people as well. So don't get all proud about breathing in famous people. We also have other, others in there as well. But everything that we do impacts someone else. And if the heart is at the core, at the center of our physical and our spiritual life, it means that we need to take a little time to stop and think, what is it that's going to make me healthy? What is it that's going to create a healthy heart in me, both physically and spiritually? So today, this series is going to begin, I'm kicking it off, by looking at what it means to value and to guard your heart. And to do that first, before you think of your family, before you think of this church and your connection here, before you think of the community and the difference that you want to make out there by doing good things, the first thing that we need to focus on is what is the condition of my heart? Because that's the center, that's the core, that's why Jesus decided to build his kingdom and to focus on our heart. We are that stone that's dropped in that creates a ripple effect. Everything that we do impacts our children. Children absorb who we are. Everything that your family does affects the condition of the body of Christ, the church, and on and on and on. Now, the Greek word for heart is cardia. That's where our word cardiac comes from. It's where the word cardiologist comes from. If you ever, ever have trouble sleeping, download this and listen, listen to a beating heart, a healthy beating heart. It brings rest and it brings relaxation. Now we all know how important our physical heart is. If it doesn't work properly, our whole body's thrown off. All you have to do is ask somebody that's ever struggled with heart problems. The moment high blood pressure starts happening or stress and anxiety and our heart starts beating harder and, and working harder, the moment that all of that happens, our heart has to work harder and harder and harder. 
Every part of our body is thrown off, our mind, our heart, our family, everything. You see, the, the heart is the center, the most important organ in our body. If it doesn't work, nothing else does. Why? Because it's the starting point for pumping blood. And blood is life-giving to our bodies. It carries nutrients, it carries oxygen to our body. It begins with our heart, carries that blood, and it removes waste from our body. That's how it works physically. It's very important. It's the starting point. Even in the Bible it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. See, the, the heart supplies that blood. And if the heart isn't able to supply blood, the physical body dies. So it's important to do some healthy things to take care of our physical heart. And if you've had struggles with your heart, today is the day to begin to do healthy things to take care of your heart. Because your heart is at the core of everything. If you don't have your health, it throws everything off. Nutrition is something that you have to look at. Exercise, regular checkups. You know, it's really important to know the warning signs. If you begin to get this pain down your left arm, we need to get that. Have checkups. Our physical heart is so important. Now, culture informs us pretty well about the physical heart. We know a lot about it. We know the statistics of deaths. We know the foods that are best for us to eat. We know the kind of exercise we need. We know cardiovascular diseases. And we know what to do to make it last for 120 years. We know a lot about that. I mean, all you have to do is Google it. And you'll get tons of information. Now, our spiritual heart, that's another story in our culture. Our spiritual heart, on the other hand, is the one that lasts for eternity. It gets a little less attention. It's not nearly as popular to talk about in our culture, but it deserves attention too. You see, culture tends to reduce it down to just our feelings. Well, I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my shoes. You know, I mean, it's like we tend to think when we talk about our heart, it's our feelings and it's being in a relationship with someone else and it's love and it's hate and it's, it's all of those things. But that's such a small definition. The Bible has a much, much broader definition. The Bible refers to the heart as the whole person, the whole innermost person. It's mentioned in the Bible 800 times, and it's not just mentioned because of feelings. It's mentioned because it means you and I. It's the core. It's the center. Everything about us is referred to by the heart. It has the same Greek word, cardia, just like the, the physical organ, and both are the center of life. And both need life-giving blood in order for it to be healthy and alive and well. The spiritual heart is the very center of our being. It's everything that we are. It's our will. It's our thoughts. It's our understanding, our emotions, our desires, our affections, our decisions. It's the source of who we are spiritually. It's the comprehensive term for your true self. 
These two centers of life, the physical heart and the spiritual heart, are so parallel. And it's really important we pay, to, pay attention to it. And the heart is at the center of the series. The heart. Your heart and my heart. It's where it all begins. And like the physical, it's important to pay attention to how valuable how valuable all of that is, how precious, and to guard it, and to protect it, and to do healthy things that will build it up and make it healthy and well. You see, that's why we need lifeguards. We need lifeguards. But when there are lifeguards, there are also warnings, and we need to heed those as well. You know, if you go to the beach and you see this sign, and it says, no lifeguard on duty, you're on your own, baby. You're on your own. When you step into that water, you're, you're just taking a chance. And that's exactly how it is for us spiritually. When we don't put these lifeguards in place, we're on our own. And so many of our actions will actually cause us to do things that will sabotage our life. And we're not even aware of it. We need to pay attention to what's going on. You know, when a lifeguard is at a beach, they'll tell you, don't go in. There are riptides, and you can either go by that or not. If you go in, you're on your own. If you take that warning, you could be saved from death. Just like a lifeguard at a pool, they'll say, don't go in that water. There's feces in there. <laughs> that actually happened a couple days ago, so <laughs> I heard about that. And you can go in there if you want, but you'll get a disease. Or you can take the warning, and you can say, you know what, I think I'll stay out for a little while. Not into that so much. We get to choose. We get to choose if we're going to listen to the lifeguard or not. And we get to choose. We're on our own or we're under the protection that's going to eliminate some of the disease and some of the risk. See, we have to look at what does it mean to do that. And I can promise you that there is peace and there is joy to be found if you pay attention. If you pay attention to the lifeguards and you pay attention to the warnings and you pay attention and value your precious heart. Well, there was a man that had a very precious treasure of pearls and gold. And he treasured that so much that he kept it under his mattress and he always kept it held tight to him and he decided to go on a journey. And he, he went on his journey, he was on his horse, it must have been back a long time ago, and he took his faithful dog with him. And on his way back from wherever he was going, he was, <clears throat> he was hungry, so he stopped under a tree and he ate his lunch. And he got back up on his horse, and he was about ready to leave. And his dog, who was always just very, very calm, loving dog, obedient dog, he loved his dog. This dog just started barking ferociously, barking and barking and barking. And the man just didn't understand, and, and he became, the dog became ferocious, and he began, began to snap at the heels of the horse, and the man got so ticked off, he lost his temper, and he pulled out his revolver and shot his dog. And he went back home, and he realized he didn't have his treasure. He realized that he probably left it under that tree, and his dog was trying to tell him 
you're forgetting your treasure. And in one day, he lost his treasure and he lost the very one that he loved the most by his own actions. So there are some warnings about guarding our heart. There are some warnings. And we have to look at those first. First of all, we can be overprotective with our treasure. We can be overprotective. You see, the man held so tight to his treasure that he lost his sight. He lost his judgment. It clouded his judgment. And eventually, he lost everything that he had. And some of it was by his own actions. The Bible says, watch out. Be on guard. Be on guard against all kinds of grief. Life doesn't consist of your possession. You see, when we hold so tight, and I'm talking here about our heart. I'm talking about our children. I'm talking about our material things, our job, our savings account. When we hold so tight to our possessions, to our treasures, it's a form of greed. And it's fear-based. I'm afraid I won't have them or I'm afraid that something will happen to them. And we hold on so tight that we actually choke that child or we choke that treasure or we get clouded and we lose sight. Overprotecting is not God's way at all. And sometimes we hold tight to our heart because you know what? Our heart has been hurt. We've been in a relationship. We've been betrayed. And we'll say, I'll never let that happen to me again. And so we begin to build this wall around our heart. See, in the physical heart, there's a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And that's where the heart muscle becomes real thick And it makes it really hard for blood to leave the heart. Same thing spiritually. You see, we can build this thick heart that begins to throw everything off because we don't want to get hurt again. We don't want our children to get hurt again. And so we begin to hold on to our heart. We begin to hold on to our possessions. And pretty soon, we're the one that's controlling everything, and we become a control freak. And that destroys children. That destroys our treasure, being overprotective like that. Overprotecting our spiritual heart does the same thing. The Bible even says the heart has grown dull and their ears can hardly hear and their eyes have closed. That's a warning. Be careful about being overprotective. The second warning is this. We can so easily be deceived. Did you know that? Do you realize how vulnerable you are to being deceived. If you don't think you are, you will be. That's the danger. The Bible says, for it's within our heart, it's out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, all of those things. It says all these evils come from inside and defile a person. That's why Jesus went straight to the source. That's why he said it's a matter of our heart, of the condition of your heart physically and spiritually. That's why it's so important to pay attention and to understand how easily it is our heart can deceive us 
atherosclerosis is a hardening of the arteries. That's what I learned when I was very young. My grandmother died from hardening of the arteries. And what that means is that the arteries have a buildup of plaque and of, of uh, scarring. And, and hardening of the spiritual heart happens when our ears and our eyes and our vulnerability begins to get all kinds of stuff in there that begins to cloud how we can see things and, and we become hardened. And, and it really happens when we hear God's truth and our heart knows that we need to listen, but we turn away from it. We don't respond to it. And each time that happens, it gets a little harder, a little harder. And I gotta tell you, honestly, as I've been a minister in the church, I've been in ministry for about 30 years now, I see in our culture that we're getting harder and harder. We don't wanna let our guard down and be vulnerable and allow God to soften our heart because we might look stupid or somebody might think something about us that we don't want them to think. Or we have an image to keep, I'm telling you. As the church begins to shrink, I also see those that are coming that are getting a little harder and harder. There's a warning here. We need to be careful about that. It's not about what other people think of us. It's about the center of our life. It's our life. It's our breath. And that's going to affect our family and our church and our community. It's a warning that we have to be careful of. You see, in that little story, the man's judgment had gotten so far off by his own actions, he destroyed the one that was really trying to help him. The truth can be right in front of us, and we can miss it because we don't understand how easily we can be deceived. And we have to place a guard on our heart. We have to have something in place that's blowing the whistle and saying, beware when you're watching that, when you're feeding those things into your head. There are so many voices that are clamoring for our attention and they're getting it. And our attention is going over here. We've got preachers, we've got advertisers, we've got bloggers, we've got you name it. There's so much information that we're sending our attention to and we have to bring it back. You see, our judgment can easily be clouded and then our actions get misguided and we can sabotage the very thing that's been faithful to us. Be on guard for that. The, Jesus said this, he said, watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name and claim I'm he and the time is near, don't follow them. That means that you have to be able to discern the truth. And the only way that's gonna happen is with a soft heart that's handed over to Jesus. And allow him to say, you know what, Jesus, I want you to be my lifeguard. I need you to be my lifeguard. So I so, I so easily get my attention over there. I have to do that daily. I don't know about you but my heart can easily go down a trail. I have to do it daily. So I wanna give you three really quick lifeguards. And I wanna tell you something, these are so simple that you might miss it. They're so simple 
that you might say, well, I need something a little deeper than that. This is as deep as we can go. First of all, know God's word. We gotta know what's in there. That's why I encourage you to memorize that. His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. We've got to know what's in the Bible. Not little pieces of it that we want it to work for how we want, or not a little chunk that we'll take out and twist and make it a little more comfortable for us. No, I'm talking about knowing God's word, swimming in it, bathing in it, getting up every morning and brewing on one verse. My grandfather said, just read one verse, close your eyes and meditate on that, and wait for God to speak to you about that one verse. Somehow we think we need to feed ourselves chapters and chapters and chapters. No, you could spend years on one verse and listening to him. But you gotta know God's word. You gotta know his way. Nobody can do that for you but you. You see, we've, we've gotta know the truth. And when we hide that in our heart, here's what happens. When we're in a tight spot or we need some comfort or something is just going really bad for us, we can stop and we can draw on that. And Jesus is there to renew you and to give you strength and to give you his grace. And there's been this little game I played with myself. What if every Bible that I have was taken away from me? How much do I have in my heart that I can draw on? And I challenge you to think about that for you. If you never had access to another preacher, another Bible, another church service, anything, how much do you have inside of you? How much truth do you have that you can draw from? in those moments. If not, we'll be deceived. We'll go down a trail that ends us up in a place that we don't want to land in. That is where true joy and peace is found. Not your situations. You might be locked up in a prison somewhere, or you might be high on a mountain hiking and enjoying God's pleasure. But at any moment, you can find joy and peace because you've hidden his word and you know his word in your heart. Secondly, know your weaknesses. Know where you're tempted. What? Everything in our culture says play to your strengths. Show them your strengths. Don't let them see where you stink. That's not God's way. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, and I want you to boast about your weaknesses. I was in the shower yesterday and I said, you know what, I'm gonna do that because over the last year, I've really come to terms with my weaknesses and I know what they are. I can list them. I can tell you the first one because I've worked really hard at being able to name them because I can tell you this, if you can't name them, your enemy, your opponent can. You can't tell me that on a sports team that... Uh, when, when they're gonna play an opponent, they take the videos of the opposing team and they watch and they pick out every weakness that that team has. And when they go into the game, they play to the weakness. They play to the weakness. Now, if that team doesn't know their weaknesses, they'll never change them, right? And so Paul says, boast in your weaknesses. Okay, take your top weakness 
and share that with the person next to you. Go ahead, tell them your weakness. Boast about it, brag about it. Can you do it? Can you do it? Now this tells you something about yourself. If you can't do it, your enemy, Satan, he will play to it. He will play to it. And when you're tempted, you will fall because he knows how to get you better than you know how to stand guard. You, you get it? You understand? So in this spiritual world, we boast of our weaknesses. We say, here's, here's my top one. If somebody accuses me of something that I, didn't, that I know I didn't do, it can take me down. And for years, it did. But now when that happens, even if the whole world thinks that I did it and I know I didn't, I can stand there and have peace because I know my weakness. And I know I'm tempted to fall when I fall into my weakness, but I know my weakness and I recognize it. And I stand there and I say, God, I need your grace and I need your strength right now because I'm weak and I'm tempted to, not really, I've never hit anyone. <laughs> I don't think, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I was tempted and didn't know my weakness <laughs> do, you, do you guys get what I'm saying so if you haven't worked on being able to name your weaknesses I would encourage you to get that lifeguard in your life ask your spouse they'll tell you they know your weaknesses better and, and you see uh, it's just like a lion you know a lion never attacks a strong animal right they always go for the unsuspecting wounded one and interestingly we're wounded when we can't name our weaknesses the bible even says it says um, be alert and be sober that's why it's important to have a clear mind you understand that right be alert and sober your enemy the devil prowls around looking at you and he knows your weaknesses. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ah, that person doesn't know that they're tempted in that area. I am after that person. Temptation happens, fall. But when we put that guard in place, it won't happen. And I'm telling you, the joy and the peace that comes from that is, is unexplainable. But I can't experience that for you. Only you can experience that by doing it. Know God's word. Know your weaknesses and temptation. And the last one probably seems so easy that you'll just blow it off. Know Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about knowing who he is, coming to church and you hear his name. I'm talking about a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, you've heard that so many times, but my question to you is, are you living that? Do you understand what a close, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is? That means that you allow him to know everything about you. You become before him. You're humble. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your temptations. He knows what you stink at. He knows what you're bad at. He knows how you've fallen. He knows what you're good at. He laughs with you. He weeps with you. He mourns with you. No spouse, no human being can ever be that close in a relationship. That's knowing someone. 
Knowing means personal intimacy. He says to you, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And that might just mean that we have to reposition our priorities. That we have to stop allowing all of the things that, are, that we're allowing to be fed into our head and into our mind and into our heart. And we have to keep our eyes on Jesus on a daily basis. And be reminded, God, this morning, I gotta put my lifeguards in place. I'm not gonna hold on to you so tight that I choke you out. I know that I can easily be deceived. But Lord, I wanna know who you really are. Not who somebody told me that you are, but who you really are. I can't do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. You can only do that by going before him. We have to reposition our priorities. And just like our physical heart that needs blood to have life and to be healthy and to be alive, our spiritual heart needs blood as well. And the Bible says in Ephesians, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. That means that God loved you and I so much that he knew the condition of our heart and he loved us anyway. And he sent the most precious gift. Do you value that gift? Do you get up every morning? Do you come to church and celebrate that gift that God has given you life and breath and access to the king of the universe? You see, Jesus' life-giving blood feeds our spiritual heart. He went to the cross for every single one of us. Now here's the thing. A heart has no gender, it has no race, and it has no age. We tend to put ourselves in those stereotypes, don't we? But a heart is the same for everyone. And you and I get to choose what we're gonna do with it. You're the captain of your heart. I'm the captain of my heart. We get to choose where our heart was, will go. And, it's, and the Bible says that wherever our treasure is, wherever our treasure is, if it's in our money, if it's in our children, if, in, if it's in whatever, wherever our treasure is, that's what has our heart. And I'm saying, do you know Jesus so much that he has your heart? That he's at the very core, at the very center, giving that lifeblood, giving health and wellness to who you are as your whole person. Jesus says, if you give me your heart, I wanna know you just the way you are. You know, we've tried to create a church here at Salem Fields where anybody can come and be just who you are. Rip off church face. We don't want church face. We want you to be the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. We want you to be who you are. And when we hand our heart over to Jesus, he says, I accept you exactly the way you are. You don't have to get any, anything cleaned up. We're in relationship. I accept you just the way you are. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And if you give me your heart, I'll treat it 
like a little robin's egg. I won't let it break. I won't drop it. And I'll be there for you, guarding you 24-7, always available to you. Is that the kind of relationship that you have with Jesus? If not, you can do that. You can enter into a relationship. He says, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if anybody will open the door, let me in, we're going to have a good time together. Oh, you're going to go through tough times. You're going to weep and cry and you're going to question me and say, God, why are you allowing that to happen? But I'm going to be there for you. I can tell you one thing. The one constant in my life through all the deaths of my life, through all the losses of my life, through all the ugly, through all the beautiful, the one constant has been Jesus since I was a child. I would not give him up and my relationship with him for all the things of the world. Are you there today? Gives me peace. Gives me joy. And God says that's what will be our lifeguard. You see, now, right here, we're in the presence of God. There is no safer place that you can be to be real, to be honest, to be vulnerable, to look stupid maybe in the eyes of someone else, but to take your heart and say, God, I've been the captain of it, but I want you to be now. It's a time to respond. It's a time where if we don't respond to what he may be saying to us, our heart could get just a little bit harder as we walk out of here today. And sadly, that's what I'm seeing happen in our world today. And then we go back to our treasures and we get a little harder. Don't let that happen. You're in a safe place. Respond to him today. Whatever that looks like for you, just don't leave this place. I don't care if you've been a believer for 27 years. The danger, the longer you're a believer, the harder your heart will get. Did you hear me? The longer you're a believer, the danger is your heart can become harder. You can get cynical. Don't let that happen. Put the lifeguards in place. Let's stand together and worship.
Father, thank you so much for your presence here this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for those that have responded in their hearts and have handed them over to you, God. Father, I see the danger that we just want to be the captain of our own ship, and so many times we don't see the lighthouse or the lifeguards, and we get way off course. And so, Father, I love that no matter where we are, you want to meet us right there, bring us back on course. And so, Father, it's been a beautiful time in your spirit here this morning. And I thank you so much for each person here, for those online. God, I thank you for who you are, that you want to meet us exactly where we are without asking us to do anything or change anything, but you want to be our lifeguard. Thank you for your grace and your strength that is sufficient for us in our times of trouble, when we're tempted, in our weaknesses. And Father, I thank you for this promise right here out of Philippians that says, this is what will be our lifeguard and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Allowing our us to give us, give you our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Now my prayer for each person here is that you walk out in victory. That there won't be any plaque building up in your arteries and your veins spiritually. That you will go out and you will experience the peace and the joy because you know that you know that you know that Jesus is your lifeguard. I love you guys. See you next time. <laughs>